When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How you doing? Well, that's good. You're listening to PHLY Flyers. That's right, PHLY. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Joining me today, Broad Street Hockey's heart and soul, Kelly Hinkle. William, hello. And I believe we have, joining remotely, we will bring Charlie in in just one second. Never mind. Kelly, you know what time? Right now is a great time for sell me something. All right. I'm going to sell you on our annual holiday party, the Broad Street Hockey Festivus Watch Party. This year it is Friday, December 22nd. Flowers will be playing the Red Wings, and we will be at Sports and Social inside the live casino where we had our draft party. Um, We'll hopefully have some stuff from the Flyers. We are going to have some free food, drink specials. It's always fun to watch a hockey game in a room full of hockey fans. So, And Sports and Social has been pretty damn good for us. They have. It's a great uh, place. In recent years running our draft parties there, running the Festivus parties. So I hope everyone comes out on the 22nd. I know Charlie and I are planning to be there. We're thinking about some sort of uh, yeah, joint venture. but Maybe. What, whatever we're able to figure out. Yeah. <laughs> Are you pushing it off? I was just like, yeah, 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 you know. It's, it'll always be the Broad Street Hockey Festivus party. Right. That's but, the thing. I mean, come on. Charlie and I are as broad street hockey as There's anyone. There's no separating this, so it's, you know, we're going to kind of be smushed together forever. All right, so uh, I just have to ask, Kelly, I know you're not the biggest baseball fan, but Shohei Otani, are you, are, you're going to have to move back to Toronto. Like I didn't live it, in Toronto. <laughs> I, where, um, where were you? Halifax. Halifax. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Anyway, um, we're going to have to move to Toronto. <laughs> so we have two Canadians on staff at Broad Street Hockey, and the excitement level coming out of them is crazy. So it's kind of hard not to be excited about something as crazy <laughs> as this. It seems like a very big deal. He's really good, right? Yes, he's okay. like. If he can pitch again, the best baseball player who ever lived. There's an if he can pitch again? Well, like he needs Tommy John surgery. Oh. And it's his, or he just had it, and it's his second one. Oh. Uh, but he's also like the best hitter in the league, too. All right. So 
He's he's that dude from that movie. All right, now joining us, the uh, Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter. It is Charlie O'Connor. What's going on, Chuck? Where are you? Hey, can you hear me? I sure got can. you. Yes. Hey, how's everybody doing? Well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I am coming in from a hotel in Denver. Ooh. Oh, you've made it to Denver. All right. That's excellent news, Charlie. Uh, I guess we need to get today's show started. Well, I did have one little thing I wanted to talk about from uh, from last night's game that I forgot to bring up on post-game last night. And I thought it was like almost the perfect example of like what is making the Flyers good right now. Um in the third period, Flyers are winning the game last night. Tyson Forster is on the ice with Travis Konechny. Konechny has two goals. Forster has the puck down low, basically in front of the net a couple, like two or three times, and looks for TK. Now, obviously, this is a pretty hockey thing. Yeah. You try to get the guy the hat trick if you can. But it's not as if Tyson Forster isn't hunting for goals right now. He had the slow scoring start. Uh, he's fine. He's on a roll. He's on his own three game scoring streak. You'd think he'd want to keep it going for himself, but he's looking for his teammate. I don't want to say like, this is the difference between last year and this year. I don't think they were a team torn apart last no. year. I don't think it was that dramatic, but I did just see this little thing happening in the third period and go, man, they really play for each other. Like John Tortorella, whatever you think about him. He's accomplishing what he's setting out to do, whether or not people agree with what his what his process is. That's a different story, but he's it's working. Whatever he's trying to do, it's working. I just like, did you guys notice this? Was it a thing for you at all? I just I noticed that and was like big picture. I think it means something. So lucky for me, I didn't get to watch the game last night. I got to watch it after I read your outline. So I looked for it um, <laughs> and I did see what you were talking about. And I I mean. What you're talking about for me has been very obvious from the start of the season. And even when they were playing poorly, um, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, I still kind of got the sense that, like you said, this is like a whole ass team like they weren't before. And I, I don't know if it was all Ivan Provorov's grumpiness in the room that was making them not be as, I don't know, good, good together as they are right now. Um, but there is a, a marked difference between last season and this season, and I don't think there's any denying it. Charlie, we've heard that the locker room is in a good place right now, and John Tortorella, from before he heard the job, uh, before he took the job, had heard, like, that locker room ain't great. So he kind of came in with that preconception. Uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago, but I think it bears, like, as long as this continues, this good stretch of hockey... Were were we kind of underselling or was it undersold to us how potentially toxic the locker room was over, not just last year, not just because of Ivan Provorov, not, but like the last few years really since, um, since let's say Elaine Vigneault quote unquote quit on the team, according to Jake Voracek. <laughs> well, I, I do agree that there were some, some locker room issues i don't particularly like the word toxic because i don't think that's the way it was like ivan Provorov. actually honestly we talked about this this morning while i was en route to denver i think it was when i was in the airport waiting for my flight to, to take off in our discord so uh diehards if you're not already on our discord join our discord you can chat about things like this before the show but the Provorov situation i, I think was 
like he was a malcontent. He did not want to be here by the end. That was very clear. But I don't think he was really doing much to really mess up team chemistry because the the room was pretty united in that they didn't like Ivan Provorov. <laughs> it wasn't as if it, it it wasn't as if he was dividing anyone. Pretty much everyone just kind of rolled their eyes when Provorov would do his thing and act like the reason why he wasn't scoring points was because the coaches weren't putting him in a position to succeed and not because he's actually not that great of an offensive defenseman. So yeah, you had to get rid of Provorov. He was a malcontent. He didn't want to be here and you want everybody in the room to be there. But I don't think he was really messing anything up beyond people just not wanting to deal with him anymore, which fair. I honestly think, and this is why I hesitate to use for toxic. I actually think like a bigger problem in that room, and I don't want to say a problem because he's a really good dude. And I don't think he necessarily did anything wrong, but I think it was more important to trade Kevin Hayes because Kevin Hayes was actually popular in that room. He was very well liked because Kevin Hayes is a really good guy and having a really good guy who everybody likes basically butting heads with the coach the entire season, I think had an impact, especially when the reason why Hayes was butting heads with Torts was because Torts was telling him to do certain things and change his game in certain ways. And Hayes either wasn't able or didn't want to. And it makes it hard to like implement a real uniform set of accountability rules when one of the team leaders and one of the most well-liked guys on the team and Kevin Hayes is not fully buying into those accountability rules that the coach is setting forward. And I feel like with Hayes, like it, it's a good thing for both sides. It was not going to work. Hayes is now in a place where hopefully he's having a lot more fun. Hopefully he's not butting heads with Craig Ruby the same way he was butting heads with John Tortorella. But it's it's working it's working here because now all of the leadership guys, all the guys at the top, you know, Sean Couturier, Scott Lawton, even Travis Anheim, Travis Konechny, the guys who who people look to, it seems like they are all fully bought into this fully bought into what John Tortorella is saying. And I just feel like as long as Kevin Hayes is going to be here, like you couldn't take away that leadership role because he was the guy that everybody liked, but he was never going to be showing the example that John Tortorella wanted him to show, which is why I think John Tortorella basically went into Danny Breer's office and was like, you got to get rid of this guy. I don't care what you got to do. You got to get rid of him because I can't make this work if he's here. I really appreciate in the comments we just saw and it was uh, like, I'm asking about the locker room, what the problems are. And someone just goes, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was just Couturier being hurt for two years. Like that's, I mean, that's he's not the wrong. problem. That, that, Listen, yeah. Sean Couturier has returned to this lineup and been a hero for this team. It's not that hard for you to be a hero. All you got to do, it's use hero bread. Listen, I think this time of year we could all use a little help making some better decisions. I know with football every Sunday, tons of hockey games every night, not to mention holiday parties, everything else going on this time of year. I'm going to be taking in a lot of calories, specifically a ton of carbs. And I'm told that might not be the best choice for maintaining a healthy lifestyle. And that's where Hero Bread comes in. Hero makes sliced breads, buns, and tortillas that are available on Hero.co as well as Amazon. And all of their products have hit the spot for me because this bread is soft, fluffy, and delicious. And right now, Hero Bread is offering the PHLY fam 10% off their first order. Just go to Hero.co and use our code PHLY to save on Hero Bread today. That's H-E-R-O dot C 
P-H-O-D-C-A-S-T-O to save 10% today with code P-H-L-Y. And I say this every time, but now you're actually here. You're looking at me, you're like, oh, I'm going to take advice on some sort of like healthier bread option from that guy. All right, fair enough. Kelly Hinkle's here. And this is a two thumbs up approval from, yeah. from Kelly Hinkle, who doesn't even get paid by Hero Brand. I don't. Uh, so. They haven't sent me anything free yet, but yeah. they can change that. They, they absolutely <laughs> could. And then I'd have to start lying in these promos. It's not just Bill approved. It's Hinkle approved it's as true. well. So uh, make sure you check out Hero.co and use code P-H-L-Y. All right. So we're talking about this team right now. And... You know, a bunch of the comments are just like, oh, so playoffs, right? And the team's good now. And that's right. Honestly, probably it would be it, like, I know it still seems far fetched when you just look at the team and you go like, how? Like, you, I look at this blue line and go like, no, I'm sorry. No, but uh, they're coming together. They're playing well yeah. uh, in the way John Tortorella wants them to play. And I, I've adopted this mantra with the team at this point. I'm not good at like, yes, I have my opinions on what they should do. Uh, but at this point right now, I am in buy the ticket, take the ride mode with them. As you like what be. else can we possibly do? Because they started 3-1-0. and And then from October 21st to November 7th, they went 2-6-1, and capped it off with their loss to San Jose. It was like, all right, guess what? They are a bottom 10 team. Since they've lost to San Jose, they're 9-3-1. and and I'm honestly very much looking forward to Saturday's game. Now they're they're playing Colorado, and I love to watch Colorado. Uh, but like, they are a fun team to watch right now, yep. Kelly. Like, what are your expectations for this team going forward? Like, what are you thinking about when you watch them? So I've kind of decided not to have any fixed expectations for this team. I do, however, know. That while I'm watching these games, which, as you said, are incredibly fun and are really selling me on this team as, as something to, to, like you said, hop onto and like fully, um, I'm not thinking about a rebuild. I'm not thinking about what trades they're going to make. I'm not thinking about what picks they're going to have. And frankly, I don't know why anyone would while you're watching the game. Like, you can big picture that shit while you're, like, on the toilet or when you're talking to your friends at a bar but while you're watching the game, enjoy the fact that this team seems to be better than we were expecting. And I do think a lot of that has to do with Sean Couturier. I think that Flyers fans generally have a really bad habit of forgetting that Sean Couturier is good. Like anytime he's out, I feel like people just forget that he's so good. And then he comes back and you're like, oh yeah, he completely changes the team. 100% change with him on the ice. So it's just like, you know. I have fun when I watch the game, to answer your question. Especially in comparison with last year. Like, yeah. I don't know how much of a difference Sean Couturier makes on like a good team, wins and losses-wise. Yeah, uh, but for a team that had legitimately zero centers, uh, <laughs> to now have one, <laughs> that is a big, big upgrade. To and go from one. zero to yeah. one, that's as big of an upgrade as you can make. It's an infinite, like, it's infinitesimally better. Yeah. Like, and uh, it is, I, I'm glad someone actually did bring up Sean Couturier, because we've been talking about him a lot recently. Uh, I asked Charlie about it, because uh, Tortorella had a good, quote about him the other day where he's like, Oh, there's still more like there's definitely still more, but just his presence right now. I think it is, it's the steadying factor. Would you say it's the biggest difference between this year and last year, Charlie? 
In terms of the roster, yeah. You know, you could make a case that Travis Sanheim, just given how bad he was last year and the fact that he's dramatically improved, that yeah. that is at least comparable in terms of impact, just in terms of discrepancy year over year. But look, Sean Gattere is a really good player. He's been a really good player for a long time. And I, I'm working on this piece comparing like pre-injury Gattere to post-injury Gattere. And the longer it takes me to write it, the closer his stats get to pre-injury Couturier, <laughs> it seems like every game they get better and better in terms of what he's doing at five on five, what he's doing at even strength and the impact he's having on his line mates. It just seems like he's getting back there and he's only 30. He turns, well, he turned 31 yesterday, right? So he's 31 now, but he, so he's not that old. It's not like he's at the point where he, if he takes care of himself, should be falling off a cliff. And it just, I, I don't know. We're, we're getting to this point now where he's looking more and more like the 27, 28 year old Couturier. I, I don't know if scoring wise, he's going to get back there just because they have the worst power play in history. And, you know, sometimes you have to pick up some points there. I don't know if anybody can at this point, but the rest of his game, it looks pretty darn similar. And I mean, I made the case back in, in the late 2010s that, that Sean Gattari was a borderline elite player. And if Sean Gattari is still that guy, then they have two guys in Sean Gattarier and Travis Konechny who are, no, they're not stars, but they're that next year down. And and that's big because then suddenly it's like, well, if you get Mitchkoff over here and if Gautier is that guy, then suddenly like, yeah, Sean Gattari and Travis Konechny could be the third and fourth best players on a really good team. So to that point, I've seen a lot of Flyers fans, you know, really annoyed that they're playing well because of the rebuild. We're, we're not rebuilding if we're playing well, seems to be the thought process among some Flyers fans. But a rebuild doesn't always mean tanking and being terrible for many, 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 many years. And then you have teams who did do that who still aren't good. Buffalo, 10 straight top 10 picks. Yeah. They stink. They're still not good. Um, you have Edmonton with the best player in the world that can't seem to win a and like game. another top he probably wouldn't be considered the second best if he didn't play with mcdade but like top 10 yeah, forward for easily, sure. easily so maybe we need to wrap our brains around the fact that the flyers rebuild isn't going to look like a traditional textbook rebuild it might be closer to what the rangers did this where they is... said we're rebuilding and then they got panarin and so the rebuild Really fast forwarded. Well, we're going to rebuild and we're, we're going to get, get Elias Pettersson. Sure. And it's all going to be. Of course. Eventually. Charlie is, so sick. Charlie is so sick of hearing about Pettersson because yeah. they're going to offer sheet him, obviously. I mean, why wouldn't they? Like, yeah, just be stupid not to. It's a return. Uh, there's a reason that they went back to the old orange in this new era of orange. Yeah. And it's, it's so that they can just be the team sure. that does crazy shit again. Yeah. Like, yeah. and. Oh, given Pedersen 15 mil is a, a great way to begin that, that process. Right. Um, I, I want to get to, we're going to get to all the rumors and stupid stuff that's floating around. Now I know Charlie loves trade speculation. So I built it into the show. I got some things to say. Uh, to Charlie but first I just want to talk about the goaltending situation right now. Hart, Erson, Co-number ones. Uh, it's uh, Carter Hart it. is going to remain the number one guy. Um, Unless something drastic happens, like he gets hurt and Urson is just awesome. Obviously, the looming black cloud would be a very uh, would be a very drastic change of the status quo. But 
I'm banking on never finding out about that. That's so never happen. It's not happening. Pretty clear. Uh, but it, it at least is the first time that I can remember in the heart era that there's some sort of competition. Mm -hmm. Like they made it abundantly clear with 150 year old Brian Elliott, like hearts, the guy, this is going to be the dude. They brought in cam Talbot for a short period of time. Like, Oh, well maybe you can back him up your boys. And it was like, well, Talbot kind of wants to play a little bit. He thinks he can get paid. Oh no, 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 no. See ya. And like even last year, Felix Sandstrom is like, this is a, as long as Carter Hart's like able to turn his head side to side, he's playing and we're, all, we're not putting Sandstrom in. This is the first time uh, they're starting, it seems to be comfortable with a backup goalie. And this little bit of competition could be pushing Hart. The little bit of extra rest could be helping him. I just wanted to get your thought on the goalie situation right now, Kelly. Yeah, I, I kind of agree that I think Carter Hart looked really good in that Arizona game. Um, I think Charlie pointed out, didn't have to make a lot of like super flashy saves, but he was steady. He looked like the Carter Hart that we expect him to be. And I do kind of think that given his injury history, the added rest is probably going to make him play better. He's probably, you know, if they, if they keep giving Erson starts, maybe Carter Hart doesn't get hurt like he does every single year because he's resting a bit more. And maybe this does push him to be better, which could ultimately be bad for us because we got to give him a contract at some point. Um, But yeah, this kind of competition is healthy. And I've been saying since the summertime, 1A, 1B. It's what it should be. There's no reason for it not to. Absolutely. Uh, And listen, I'm very excited to check out the Flyers on Saturday. They're in in Denver. It's going to be a nice, fun game. But maybe you're looking to check them out right here at home at the Wells Fargo Center. Best way to do that. Baby, it's with the GameTime app. Listen, buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. GameTime is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. GameTime is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, it is time to get into the uh, the stuff that everyone's talking about oh, right spicy. now. Because as Charlie has pointed out over the last week or so, Trade speculation fuels clicks. Sure does. There is nothing bigger than trade speculation because there are two things you can sell as a team, winning and hope. Trades, that covers everything. You're winning, so you want to make a trade, or you're not winning, so you want to have hope, so you get assets for the future. Whatever it is, people go nuts for trade speculation, and we have seen a ton of it, but it's not like we're seeing it from... NHL rumors, six, nine, four, 20. <laughs> like it, it is like Dreger and Friedman. Yeah, now they're very much business people as much as they are insiders. And they know that trade speculation fuels things, but I don't think they're making shit up. I don't think so either. And we're just seeing right now that this flyers blue line is, uh, they are, 
They are Bad. the slap shot movie poster yeah. with the for sale not sign. It's one. not happening right now. And that's what everyone basically is hitting over the head, uh, head with us is like the flyers are in no rush. Cause none of them honestly understand, like they get it, yeah. but they're like, I don't know. Are we actually going to make the playoffs? Like it's kind of fucks up the whole plan. Let's see. Charlie, just with the idea, uh, because I've been talking Walker and Sealer the whole time, like have to move them. They're not coming back. They don't really fit the timeline. But Rasmus Ristolainen is somebody that, I mean, if you can get out from under that contract, I think you absolutely have to. And it seems like at least Toronto kind of focusing in. Is it crazy to believe that they could get move on from Risto? I don't think it's crazy. I mean, look, here's one thing I'll say about Ristolainen. There were a bunch of GMs that wanted him when all of his numbers were bad. Now his numbers are decent. Imagine how many teams want him now. Toronto needs <laughs> but, playoff Risto. That's no, I mean, I, that's what we talked about last night is it seems as if they looked at Zadorov and were like, well, the tall guy's gone. You gotta have Let's tall get guy. the other one. Tyler Myers isn't, isn't available, so we got to get the third. You got to like, the tall guy. It just seems like you have to have yeah. the tall guy. I just how how in the world does Toronto make the money work? I don't know. I I feel like they're they seem to be on the road to doing a Tampa Bay this <laughs> just, season. They're, they're just gonna finagle. They just keep putting guys on LTIR yeah, exactly. now. Like John Klingberg, it's like yeah. It turns out he stinks. Oh no, he's hurt and he's hurt forever. <laughs> like oh I mean, okay. <laughs> we all know that the NHL makes up the rules as they go along, and I as do, long as you're not trading Tony D'Angelo. Right. For nothing. Well, here's the thing. I feel like Toronto is one of those franchises for which there are the no rules, rules will be interpreted in the most generous way possible yeah. to make sure that they can be good because it's the Maple Leafs. Um, but I, I kind of, I want to, can I argue with Charlie yeah. a little bit? So Charlie keeps saying these kinds of trades don't happen this time of year. And he's not wrong. However, Generally not. I would argue that we have like a perfect storm of circumstance that makes it seem to me like it's impossible for trades like this not to happen right now because both Toronto and Edmonton are desperate for players and they're both markets that will definitely do some shit to get players that they think that they need to turn the ship around. And I think if you're Danny Briere, you you got to take advantage of that. Like, I'm sure that he's having conversations. He, um, you know, whatever. Um, but if I'm him, I'm like pushing my players on these two teams because they are ready to pull the trigger. I think on something to get them out of the respective funks that they're in. So I, I guess my response to that is that I don't know. I don't know how much, of this supposed urgency on the part of these two teams is actually coming from the teams and how much of it is coming from the media that covers the teams because the Oilers have won five straight games. They're already turning it around. Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid again, the, the Maple Leafs in their last Charles. 10, I'm looking at the schedule, their last 10 games, they're seven, one and two. Like they're, they're doing okay. It's not like either of these teams is falling off a cliff. Like, 
I think the media and the fans, particularly the fans, but the fans are fueled by the media of these two teams. They want them to do something. But I don't know if these teams feel the same urgency that we maybe believe they should. Like somebody on Twitter said this to me a few days ago. It was about uh, it was about Carolina and basically said something like, well, Carolina would give up their firstborn for a goalie at this point. And I basically responded. I said, you know, I think Carolina's fans might give up their firstborn for a goalie, but I don't think the Carolina front office would. I think the Carolina front office will wait and see how things play out. And I think that's kind of where I'm at is that I don't think the teams like the reason why Toronto was super in on Zadorov was because Zadorov demanded a trade and he was going to get moved. It was going to happen like that was going to go down. And part of the reason why why they wanted to buy Calgary, I believe made that trade when they did was basically to give them cap flexibility at like to basically clear up space quicker in preparation for the deadline. I think people are looking at the, the Zadorov trade and thinking that that is a, like a harbinger of, of things to come. I'm looking at that as more of an outlier driven by the fact that he demanded a trade and the fact that he has slid down the, down the depth chart and it was just a situation that needed to be resolved. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you'll see Edmonton make a panic move. Maybe you'll see Toronto because I think Toronto is probably the one that's more likely to at this point because their defense does look bad. It's real the bad. thing is that they're still they're still winning. So at this point, like they're in a playoff spot. So I don't know if they really have to to rush to do this when they're in a decent spot right now. They're in a decent spot by standings points. Absolutely. But if you just look at something like Toronto Maple Leafs have played 23 games, six regulation wins. The Columbus Blue Jackets, seven. Oops. They're fucking horrible. Edmonton, yes, they are. They've won five in a row. They're seven and three in their last 10. All that said, 457 points percentage. They've played 23 games. Granted, still plenty left, but it's not like there's 70 left. Like these teams are going to have to make their move and yeah. they're going to have to look like cup contenders. And I think. While it could just be the media and fan bases fueling the speculation, those are unique markets in that the media kind of wins there a lot. Also, like, I, I, Edmonton, like the media seems to really protect their front yeah. office, which, but like Toronto, that's the Eagles. Like yeah. the, the Eagles are 10 and two and getting torn apart by everyone in the city. That's, that's what the Maple Leafs are. But also, like, when guys like Friedman and Drager are saying these things, they're really well-connected. And I think if there was no sense of urgency in the front office for the Leafs, I'm not sure if, like, those kind of guys would be the ones saying, like, hey, the Leafs are really looking at Risto. Like, I, I, I do, you know, maybe it's not as crazy as it is in my head. Maybe it's a little closer to Charlie. But it would really surprise me if the recent short streaks of good play have completely resolved whatever that front office has been feeling for the last few weeks. And that's I, just, I guess, okay. yeah, I, I guess where I'm at is I could see trades happening sooner than usual, but sooner than usual to me isn't December. Like I could see trades happening in January. I could see this being the start of, you know, that, that being them getting a jump on the trade deadline. But like, it, it, it frustrates me when I see people on Twitter acting like Ristolain is going to get traded in a week. And if the Flyers don't trade him in a week, then they're then Danny Breyer is derelict in his duties as general manager. Well, okay. So to be clear, like right now for me kind of does extend into January because we're kind yeah. of at the point in December where no one's actually working. 
So <laughs> I would expect that for the next two weeks, there's not going to be anything happening at all. Um, and then but, there's the holiday roster freeze. And then right, when right, it right. unfreezes, it could be a thawing of the front offices. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the right now that I'm referring to is like mid-season and not deadline. I guess I wasn't clear about that. I, I, I think I agree with that. Uh, it's finally time to get to uh, to Charlie's article on Travis Konechny and just the uh, the Konechny of it all, as I so eloquently worded it in today's outline. Um, I saw somebody actually quote tweet the article today, Chuck, because you have the the headline is like um, Travis can actually actually is this good yeah. or something along He's those lines. He's actually good, yeah. And somebody quote tweeted with. And everyone told me Steph, uh, Steph Curry can't shoot like that. Like someone's oh, always arguing with themselves no about it, something it, right? that's not really. And I, it's a funny joke, but I don't think anyone believed Travis connect. Travis connecting was actually a 40 goal scorer. Who's going to be a penalty kill weapon. Not 100%. A year ago. I think that there was a lot of conversation. Like, could he be that guy it would be good for the flyers if he was that guy but there's absolutely no universe in which most flyers fans or media members were convinced that travis connectney was this player and so acknowledging that he is is somehow arguing with the wall like no. I I, it was funny i just was like it's not quite that, that because there are a lot of people who are like actually he stinks like, he's a second-line player. Oh. And, like, uh, I mean, on everybody. an awesome team, yeah, probably. Maybe. Like, in Colorado, yes, a second-line player. On most teams, I don't know, 40 goals is a lot. A lot uh, and Charlie has a lot about, like, you know, dating back to the start of last season, uh, connecting his 45 goals in his last 86 games. Uh, that's a lot. That's a lot of goals. Uh, and I just – there are a couple of quotes, though, Chuck. I want to ask you which one you liked better. The quote from – Connect me about how Couturier still gives him looks that was or funny. the quote from the coach. Just like he drives me nuts, but he's awesome. Like which one were you more uh, entertained by getting to transcribe them? Are you talking about Tortorella quotes? Or you're just talking about quotes in general. Just the, the Tortorella quote or the one from connect me about Couturier. I, I think the Couturier quote that, that That's cracked funny. me up the most it was just the, the idea that, like connect me when he does something totally bonkers on the ice, then he comes back to the bench and Katuri just gives him the disapproving look and connect the connect. just knows he just knows like when connect did that one, the one time where what I'm envisioning in my head is that time when he, uh, he flew into the boards like completely horizontal and it got put on hats. <laughs> like I imagine he came back to the bench after that one and Katuri just looked at him like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> it's, and it's just really like, Showing that this group is kind of having fun out there and maybe that had waned a bit. I can't imagine it's a ton of fun when you're the fourth worst team, seventh worst team. I can't imagine that's very fun. Like winning is fun. And when you're not doing it, got to believe it kind of sucks. But I'm just having watched the way Travis Konechny has matured on the ice in the last couple of seasons. He is just having... Like the impact I didn't know he actually could. Like I didn't think he was a first line player like this. I was like, oh yeah, if you have Giroux and Couturier and he's the third guy, sure. Uh, and maybe that's still what he is on a really good first line, but they've had him anchoring other lines this year and his production really hasn't dropped. 
maybe this is just because there's a Twitter account that's been interacting with like all of our tweets recently. Uh, connect me for MVP. Thank you very much out there for all your engagement. Um, do you think he could have maybe a Taylor Hall esque Hart Trophy candidacy this season? I want you to slow down. That's just. I'm just no. asking the just, question. Just no. Slow down. He's just asking questions. No, no, Bill. There is no way. Like you do realize how many points the top guys in the league are scoring. A lot of a That's, lot of points. You know, I didn't realize that Hall's numbers when I came up with this question and the comparable. I didn't realize Hall's numbers were as good that year as they were. Like he had 93 points, which was sixth. It wasn't first, but it was still a lot. As 39 goals were in the top 10, that's a decent amount. And his 93 points on Jersey's 243 goals, that's 38%. Uh, right now, TK has 21 on the Flyers' 76 goals. That's 28%. And a lot of his candidacy, Taylor Hall's, was, well, yeah, his numbers aren't the very best, but in terms of what he's doing for his team, he's their entire offense and Konechny isn't quite that, mostly due to a lack of assists to this point. I can't believe that you would bring up the Taylor Hall MVP, the fraudulent oh, MVP well, that's, that he was. How dare you? Yeah, Truly, I mean, Claude, Claude Giroux should have been the Hart 100%. Trophy winner that year and instead wasn't even a finalist. Uh, but I'm just like, that sort of can is, he's not winning because he won the Art right. Ross. Like, that's usually, okay, McDavid has 150 sh- points, he's the MVP. And he sh- that shouldn't be how they... They come to those conclusions. Like that it should be. probably be a goalie or a defenseman every year, but they'd look at scoring totals. Um, I- I'm just at like, that was the one where it's like, okay, it wasn't the R. Ross winner. Yeah. It was someone else. Could right. Konechny have that type of candidacy? It sounds as if you both say no. I mean, it would be very surprising to me personally if that happened. <laughs> yeah, I, I think if... If there's anyone like, if, let's assume the Flyers keep this up and the Flyers make the playoffs and they they prove everybody wrong. To me, the guy who is going to be in in conversation for an award is John Tortorella. Oh, absolutely! If this team makes the playoffs, he's the Jack Adams winner. Yeah. Like, first of all, all Coach of the Year awards are like, well, you subtract last year's record from this year's right. record, and the guy <laughs> with the biggest number wins. Like right. it's or usually the guy with the best goalie. yeah, it's either yeah. a most improved award or yeah, your goalie went so insane that you won sixty games. Mm-hmm. So you're clearly a great coach. Right. Uh, that's like look at the two coaches that have been fired this year. It's like oh, the two teams with the worst save percentage makes sense. Shocking. Like it's oh, it's weird how mm. that worked out. Uh, but I, I'm just listen. I'm just asking the questions that the people want asked. This was mostly for me because I wanted to dive into the Taylor Hall thing again so I could say Giroud deserved that heart trophy. But it would take that kind – like if this Flyers team, which everyone expected to be one of the ten worst, some expected to be one of the five worst, is in the playoffs and do so on merit and not just like, oh, yeah, well, Carter Hart has a 930, so they made the playoffs. Like if they do it because they're just good, the guy who leads them in scoring, you think would have an outside chance. That's all. So I have a question for Charlie about this since we're talking Tortorella, about this Tortorella quote that was in your article, which is essentially, I'll paraphrase, I hate a lot of stuff Travis Konechny does. But I let him do what he wants because I like him and he's good. Okay, cool. (laughs) Honestly, love that. That's honestly exactly what I want out of a coach. Yeah. But it makes me wonder 
why some guys get that and some guys don't? So it's an interesting question, but I really think the answer is very straightforward. And the answer is Travis Konecki produces enough offense and does enough good things to basically allow Tortorella to justify in his head that I can, I, I can, I can give him a pass because he's so good. Like that is the big difference between Travis where Travis Konecki is a 40 goal scorer and dynamic offensive weapon. If Morgan Frost was an 80 point scorer, he would probably let Morgan Frost do the things he gets frustrated with too. But if, if you're going to be an offense oriented and offense only type of guy. Like it was the same thing with Cam Atkinson. Cam Atkinson frustrates Tortorella too. Cam Atkinson can also score 30 in his prime at least. He had a 40 goal season. He was a 30 goal guy. Like there's I think the way Tortorella looks at it is if you don't have the high end skill, you got to do everything I tell you. If you do have the high end skill, I'll let you get away with some stuff even if it pisses me off because you know what? If you if you weigh out the equation you're still coming out way ahead. And I think he views Konechny as the kind of player that is worth that sort of, like, I'll give you a little bit of a pass. This is why I think it worked, like it worked with him and Artemi Panera in, in Columbus, because it was the same thing. Artemi Panera isn't a great defensive player, but you know what? He's an amazing offensive player, so sure, Artemi, go ahead, do what you want to do. And it's the same reason why I think in theory, and I actually talked about this in my mailbag today, I think in theory, Mitchkoff could work under torts. They might butt heads in the beginning, but I think it could work if Mitchkoff proves very quickly that he's an elite offense creator and torts might give him a little leeway because it's like, hey, you have a hundred point ceiling. I'll let you do some stuff that makes me uncomfortable normally. And that's while it might be frustrating from an outside perspective, because we all have our faves and we want our faves to get the treatment Bill Parcells once said, I don't treat everyone the same. I treat everyone fairly. Mm. You earn your freedom. Like that's, I, just I, wonder I don't like hate a, it. I, like I get like, we should be finding out about Morgan Frost. I'm using him as an example. I know. I know you don't care about him either. <sighs> I'm just saying like, they kind of just have their mind made up about him already. Yeah, and yeah, he's, he's not going to be that. He's whatever. I, I just wonder sometimes with towards if it's like a chicken and egg thing. Like, is Konechny playing really well because Torts lets him do what he's good at? And are other players not playing as well under Torts because he doesn't let them do what... The, you know what I mean? It just seems like in my perfect world, every NHL coach would simply let the really good players do the things that they're best at, which is never going to happen. Um, but, you know, that's kind of the one thing that I that really worries me about Tortorella is that he will stifle the good parts about players. And then we don't get to see, especially the young guys, we never get to see the full potential because he's making them tone down the thing that they're best at in order to get a stupid fucking 200 foot game out of them. I don't know. I don't know if it's so much stifling as like the 200 foot game, like, it's not so much, okay, you have to be a defensively oriented player, but you have to play some defense. Yeah. And I've referenced a couple of different uh, former Torts guys interviews that I've listened to over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Dale Weiss was on Nasty Knuckles. Uh, Delzato was just on Chicklets. Mm. And he was, they were asking for Torts stories. And they asked him about Marion Gabrick. 
And Delzado was like, listen, <laughs> he would, Torts' thing was video study and he would just rewind <laughs> so everyone would see it. And like Gabrick's putting up 40, 45 a year at this point. Like this is Marion Gabrick. And he needs everyone blocking shots. Like that's the main thing. Everyone is bought in on blocking shots. And Gabrick, like Puck would come out to the point. He's... He couldn't be further from the shooting lane. <laughs> and so he'd like, the shot would get through to the net and Torts would just rewind it and play it again <laughs> and rewind it and play it and wait for him to say something. And Gabby's like, I'm not, I'm not engaging. I'm not going <laughs> to argue with him. He's finally like, you got anything to say back there, Gabby? Like shit like that. And he's like, he wants you to tell him, fuck you. I'm the best player on this team. I ain't blocking shots. Even if he fundamentally disagrees, yeah. he wants that from you. And if you're just like Morgan Frost or Cam York or whoever, and you're like, oh, I don't, I don't want the confrontation. Yeah. He would shit on that before he'd shit on him, like you saying, go fuck yourself, coach. He'd prefer that. It sounds. It Is this like an that. accurate description of how you've heard it explained, Charlie, and his relationship with guys? I would say it is pretty accurate in terms of he likes he likes the conflict. He likes when a player comes back at him. He respects the player more when they come back at him. That said, I do think another thing that's going on here is that like the only guy, and I ha I hate that we always are bringing back this back to Morgan Frost, but like Morgan Frost is the only guy with like what we perceive to be real talent who it seems like they have been pushing to be more defensive. Like Owen Tippett, they've been pushing to play more like a power forward, attack, attack, attack. They're, they're taking the reins off them. Travis Sanheim, his whole issue with Travis Sanheim last year was that Sanheim wasn't attacking enough, but he was watching the game. Same thing with Cam York. He's been begging Cam York to be more offensive. Like the guys on this team, the guys that he has on this Flyers team that have the skill, he's not telling them to rein it in. He's telling them to go. So I don't think I'm necessarily that worried that he is going to be – even Noah Cates, who is like a super defensive guy, they came into this year saying we want Noah to try to take more risks offensively. Like I guess I don't see – I'm not as concerned about this idea that like he is – he is stifling guys because I don't see him stifling guys here. The only guy you could say theoretically he's stifling is Morgan Frost. And maybe the, the disconnect here is that, look, we were there when Morgan Frost was taken in the first round of 2017. We watched Morgan Frost rack up all those points in the OHL. John Tortorella shows up and he watches Morgan Frost and he doesn't see a guy with high-end skill. And yeah. that's the disconnect. It, it's not that – it's not that he's trying to change a guy with high-end skill and turn him into a checker. It's that he doesn't see the high-end skill that a lot of people who have been around since 2017 think Morgan Frost must have. I think that's the disconnect. The guys that actually have high-end skill, he let he have high-end skill. While I will say I agree with your assessment overall, they're trying to change and maybe even stifle uh, Morgan Frost. You did have an observation in your article, Charlie. Uh, Going to get owned by your own words, No, Charles. I don't even know if it's owning. It's just uh, your number four observation from last night's game. Hey, Torts, maybe give Joel Farabee a little bit more ice time. Hmm. He scored his ninth goal of the season in the first period and is currently on pace for 28 on the season, yet he's averaged just 14.49 minutes per night and ranked eighth on Thursday among Flyers forwards 
the coach the coaches would be well served to find more ways to get him on the ice so if it is not uh, just what do you think the reason is behind Joel Farabee, who I think we all believe is one of the six best forwards on this roster, at least yes. true talent-wise? Why do you think they don't play him like that? It's a reasonable point. What I'll say about the Joel Farabee situation is I don't get the sense that he's being stifled in terms of his playing style. Like I don't think they're asking him to be a defensive winger. I just don't think they're giving him as much ice time as they should, which are, are kind of two separate things. Like he part of the reason why he's not getting that much ice time too, to be clear, is that number one, he's not killing penalties, which he can do. He's done before. And they talked about the possibility of getting him back in that rotation that, that they think he can do that. And maybe at some point down the road, they will. He's also been sporadically on the power play. To me, Joel Farabee's a guy where if you want to develop him offensively, put him on the power play. That said, like, Torts and, and Rocky Thompson have played have played games like this before. Like, they took Cam York off the power play for, like, three weeks, and I don't agree with it. I think Cam York should – he's back on it now, but I think he should be on that power play the entire year. I mean, Joel Farabee, you know, the idea that, that Scott Lawton, who I like a lot, has been on the power play more over the last couple of weeks than Joel Farabee, like, to me, that's bonkers. That's laughable. And that's, that's something, and, and that's something that, that needs to be addressed. It's, it's a, in my opinion, a mistake – of development and also a mistake in terms of putting the best team on the ice. So really it's both, but I don't think that's necessarily like stifling Joel Farabee. Well, I mean, uh, my concern is if he's not playing, he's still playing. He's just getting two or three less minutes, fewer minutes a night than you would hope. Yeah. I would just like stifling isn't the right word, not granting the, opportunity that to my eyes maybe he hasn't beat anyone out but I wouldn't say there's like a long list of dudes who've been better than Joel Farabee this no. year I think he is another level I don't think we've seen the best of Joel Farabee yet I also think what we're seeing right now compared to a year ago is night and day like he looks like an NHL player right yeah. now and not a dude recovering from a neck surgery that only two other NHL dudes have had you know, like he, he looks, he looks uh, like good. he's taken quite a step from 12 months ago. Yeah. And then the most reasonable thing in my mind is like, we'll give him more. Also, yeah. we only have so many good left-handed dudes and to not have him yeah. opposite, maybe like a Tyson Forster or something. Owen Tippett, uh, like in the Voracek spot on the power play is insane to me. Uh, but Whatever, uh, you know, <laughs> this power play. I don't know if there's any fixing it. It's horrible. I think I've just accepted. I would think like Joel Farabee going cross ice to Tyson Forster would make it better. Probably, but I've just accepted that the penalty kill is the power play. Ah, gotcha. Yeah, it, it's ten seven. It's first in the league for it's, shorthanded goals. It's December 8th. It's not like it's the first week of the season and we're making the power plays outscoring the penalty kill no. jokes or the penalty kills outscoring the power play. It's December 8th. The penalty kills down three. It's tense. Like, I feel like they, they're they have three too. in one game. Yeah. Like, they could tie it on Saturday. I don't think they will because, like, Colorado, I don't they're think good. gives up that many shorthanded goals. But anyway, all right. Uh, I guess the something that we've been, it's an ongoing question with this season. What does it mean? If the Flyers make the playoffs, like the the title I put on our um, the the thumbnail today, yeah. like the preview photo was just rebuilt. Yeah, because yeah. clearly the rebuild is over. They're making the playoffs this year. Yeah, but 
if they are to get in, and right now, yes, they are second in the Metro, but if you go by points percentage, they're fourth. Uh, There's still, though, like, the teams ahead of them, the Islanders, they have, like, the only reason they're there is seven overtime losses. They stink. Like, they're horrible. Real bad. And the Caps, who, I I don't know, they're good all of a sudden, but I I don't think they're this good. We'll see. I don't think the Flyers are this good either, but (laughs) so I've been wrong plenty before. But, like, if they are to get in, let's just play that game. Season ends tomorrow. Mm -hmm. What does that mean for this rebuild? So, it in my mind, it means it's going to happen faster than we thought it would, which is good, right? Like, I would rather watch a good team sooner than later. I don't think that I would prefer to watch a shit team for five years collecting picks and then maybe they'll be good or maybe they'll be Buffalo. If the Flyers are very good right now, that just means that the Flyers will be much better when their very, very good players are on the roster. Like none of this is bad in my mind. And it's bonkers to me that people think it is. If the Flyers make the playoffs, I would suggest you enjoy it and have fun watching your favorite sports team win hockey games. I know it's crazy, but you should try. A little bit. (laughs) You know. I, like, I get it, and I agree personally, and I do want a good team sooner. Yeah. But also, um, unless, once again, something insane happens, they are going to go 50 years between Stanley Cups, bare minimum. Yeah. I... If they would don't like the- for that streak to end soon. Yes. And I look at, yes, Mitchkov and Gauthier could both be stars. Mm-hmm. Bonk could be a great defensive player. Maybe they only need one defenseman with Sanheim, York, and Bonk. Maybe they just need one really good top four guy to round it out. Maybe they only need a couple of top end guys in the forward core if they kind of go forward with what they have and then add one or two pieces. But I look at Tampa, I look at Colorado, and I just think – Super teams win the cup now. Like these teams are filled with stars. Like who's Colorado's best player? Nathan McKinnon, right? Or is it the best defenseman in the league? And like Miko yeah. Rantanen could very well win a Hart Trophy in his career. It's not crazy. Like, but Colorado didn't draft every single good uh, no, player that no, they have on their team. No, I'm just like, and when they won it, they had Nas Kadri, which is just a like a great play for them. Yeah. Like, yeah, have a, a borderline one slash two C at two slash three. Like that really helps. But I'm just looking at them. I'm looking at Tampa and I'm like, if that's what it takes, I don't know. Maybe some of these dudes on the flyers are that much better than I think. Like we talked about Konechny, but I don't see them in that realm. I mean, I also would a player that the Flyers get because it's not going to be top three. Like we can just stipulate that it's not going to be. It doesn't matter what happens. Would a player that they get at six in this draft really be a game changer for this team's future? Probably not. (sighs) It would be a very good player. It would be better than the player they get at 17 but I don't know if it's going to make or break the rebuild. That just seems silly to me. And it also means that you're putting zero faith in Danny Briere to build a hockey team. And so far I have no reason to believe that he can do it. He might show me that he can't right now. I have no reason to believe that. So I just don't believe that the entire rebuild needs to be done through draft picks. 
That needs to be part of it. Oh, that I agree with. A big part the, of it. Like but, something, I very much agree that like trades and free agency are another way to go about getting those high-end players. Yeah. Like Vegas, who just won the cup, traded for Jack Eichel and signed Petrangelo in free agency. Well, there's your 1C and your 1D. Like, you know? Yeah. So there are other ways, but you're also banking on those dudes being available, which isn't a guarantee. No, it's not. But superstars in the draft, also not, not a, guarantee. a guarantee. We can all yeah, go back to guaranteed. 2017 and how many times we've discussed that draft at length. We're told would, it's not a good draft. It was a good, a good like, pick, in like, my opinion. 2017, oh, this isn't a great draft, not very deep. And it's like, yeah, the guys who are one and two aren't franchise centers, but they're pretty good. No, like three and four guys. Were yeah, franchise three, four, players. and five are all superstars, <laughs> and nobody told you that. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll grant you some Pedersen. There were some Pedersen people out there. Um, if you are telling me, oh, no, I knew about Kale McCarr, I never heard from you. No. Never heard from you. You're lying. Like, that, you're probably lying. There was no one in that bar that night saying, I don't know, man, maybe they should take Kale McCarr. No, you didn't. Uh, no. You didn't exist. That didn't happen. No. Uh, so, Charlie, like, I don't know, man. I, I'm still torn. Like, I, that's my thing right now is I'm just kind of torn in different directions, and that's why I'm just throwing my hands up and going, buy the ticket, take the ride. Like, what do you think it means if they make it? Well, I, I think what it means is, is that they are very clearly on the right track to being competitive again. And if they want to go from being competitive again to being a cup contender, it's just putting, you're basically putting all your eggs in the Mitchkoff and go to a basket. Either that, or they have to luck into a Giroux type, or Danny Breer has to, you know, they have two, two first round picks in this draft. Maybe they get another first round pick if they trade Sean Walker. And then Danny has to either make really good picks with those picks or use those picks to get another guy. Like there are other ways to do it. It's just harder. It's it's harder to do it when you're not drafting in the top five. And if they make the playoffs, then their days of drafting in the top five or even the top 10 are probably done. So then you're either basically just saying like, all right, Mitch Coffin Gautier better hit because if they, if they don't hit and they don't find some other so way wait. to get a superstar, then they're probably going to top out as a decent playoff team. So wait, I don't think there's any universe in which the the Mitch Coffin Gauthier eggs like aren't the eggs like those two guys have to hit if this rebuild is going to work like I don't think that's a maybe question and I don't think any amount of drafting in the next three years if Mitch Coff is a bust the rebuild didn't work no it's because that's what you're built like that's the guy well, that you're building it around those two I mean are, not necessarily though if, if, if you draft in the top five two more years then you have Macklin Salverini or, you know, or another one of the top tier defensemen. They're not going to get the first overall pick. I mean, if you're drafting in the top three or five, all you have to do is win one lottery. That's what I'm saying is the whole point of drafting early a lot is to give yourself more shots, is yeah. to give yourself more chances. And the whole point of the idea of a tank is, hey, if you draft in the top five, five straight years, you're probably going to come away with at least two superstars. Well, now they got to come away with two superstars and two picks not impossible and it's then, just harder yeah you get a bunch of superstars and you're edmonton True, edmonton's not going to win a stanley cup and, and that's the risk of the tank i'm not saying the tank doesn't come with risk because it absolutely does and the big negative about the tank is that like and this is something I, again i try to articulate in our discord today if you're if you're weighing what the flyers look like they're trying to do versus the tear it all down and tank view the one real drawback of the tank versus what looks like the Flyers are doing is 
let's say you do what the Flyers do, the Flyers are doing right now, which is we're rebuilding, but we're not blowing it up. We're going to try to, you know, kind of add and, and subtract and add and, and subtract and add, but not tear everything down. If it doesn't work and you're not a and you're not a cup contender, you're probably at least going to be a watchable hockey team, which is what they are now. Whereas with the tank, yeah, you might have a slightly higher chance that you can build a cup contender. But you also have a higher chance in comparison to the other way of just having a team that stinks for 10 years. Yeah. And if look, if you're only if you're one of those people where the only reason you care about the Flyers is it's either cup or bust. If they don't win a cup, then the season was a total failure. It was a waste of my time, whatever. Then, yeah, I guess the only way that you would advocate is to tank. But if you are someone, if you are someone who enjoys watching decent hockey and at least wants to enjoy watching the game for 82 times a year, then the way the Flyers are doing it right now probably makes more sense to you because it's still possible that it works. Maybe it's a little bit less likely that they go full Stanley Cup, but it's also less likely that they're pathetic for 10 years in a row. And that's uh, like. I do believe not being terrible is more important to, let's call them B markets. Like, I get why Winnipeg won't rebuild. Because they won't get a team if they're bad for five years. They have to be, like, relevant. Like, oh, yeah, guess what? You're going back to Atlanta. You know? I I just... I don't want to see them tank and be horrible and become totally irrelevant. Because mediocrity. Uh, Look what that's led to in this city. Like, hockey's a joke. And they weren't bad, like real bad until the last two years. Mm-hmm. You know, they were in they were in the playoffs or close to the playoffs every season for three decades. Yeah. And they disappeared like that. So, I, like, I, I don't want to see that happen. I do just, though, I look at the teams that win now and you need those, you need superstars. But the closest team we had to winning, the 2010 team. No superstars. Uh, Chris Pronger is a superstar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you acquired him. He's 35 years old, and you got him for Luca Spiza, a first, and Joffrey Lupel. Right. Like, you can make trades, too. So there's multiple ways to go about it, and this is going to be the conversation we have until they declare a direction to us, until they're like, nope, the sale is on, or, like, whatever, you know? It's Uh until they sell somebody, and, well, well, they're going to buy. Like, they're not going to – I doubt they're going to buy. I don't think they're going to buy. That would be silly. They're definitely not going to buy. That'll be the point at which I don't trust Danny Briere anymore. I mean, if they buy, then, yeah. I just – until they declare a direction, which they did in the preseason, but now they're winning, and we think that throws a wrench in things. The fact that there's so many rumors kind of leads me to believe that the winning – isn't going to cloud anyone's judgment that yeah. they know. Yeah, cool. We might make the playoffs, but that's, that's been the problem for 10 years is having a team. Oh yeah, they right. could like, I I think they know that. And so they're going to keep the main thing. The main thing as Jalen hurts always says. All right. Uh, do we have, do we have anything else guys? Did you do all of your commercials? William? I did not. You're right. I okay. still got to do FOCO. Mm-hmm. I meant I was setting it up and then like a conversation oh, happened between you guys and I totally forgot. So I'm blaming you. Listen, the <laughs> Flyers have looked great uh, this first couple of months of the season. All you got to do to look great 
It's shop at FOCO, man, because FOCO has the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. Whether you're looking for team apparel for the season ahead, they've got overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, anything you need for game day. Or maybe you need some accessories, toys, or collectibles for your man cave, she shed, or podcast set. You've got to use FOCO for all your team gear needs. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in the description of the show. For all non-presale items, use promo code P-H-L-Y-10, that's P-H-L-Y-1-0 for 10% off at FOCO today. I just got a really cool, uh, I should take a picture of it and like tweet it out, but a uh, football, like Eagles football ornament from FOCO. Uh, so if you're looking to decorate that tree still, I mean, my stuff's been up for a month, Tis but if you're one of the people who's waiting till now till decorate, <laughs> uh, maybe check out FOCO, get some ornaments and stuff there. All right, that'll basically do it for us. Uh, Charlie, you have anything else before we say goodbye? No, not really. Aside from I will see you, Bill, uh, tomorrow night on post game from the uh, the Ball Arena. I think is what it's called. It used to be called the Pepsi Center. It was a much cooler name. Yeah, I'll, it'll always be the Pepsi Center to me. You know, I I got that place in my heart. Uh, enjoy Mile High for me, pal. All right, for Kelly Hinkle, my name is Bill Matz. Oh, and before we go, let me remind you. Uh, Charlie's talking about that diehard Discord. If you want to get in it, now is the time. Yes. Because we're marking down. $20 off, that's right, for only $59.99 for your, for your yearly membership. Die Hard Sale, it's the only time all year we discount it, so check it out. If you want that uh, Die Hard discount to go to the Flyers Takeover we're doing on the 14th, yes. sign up right now, get your discount, boom, problem solved. Like boom. Two birds, one stone. Uh, get two birds stoned at once, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, <laughs> I always say it the right way, and uh, you're here, and I forget. Uh, it's, right. it's anyway. All right, let's get the <laughs> hell out of here. My name is Bill Matz for Charlie O'Connor and Kelly Hinkle. Have a great weekend, Philly. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, silly like the mayor. 